0: Oh, it's just plain radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. it the body, to the it the body. Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane? Call Just Plane Radio toll-free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir, I'd like you to take the helm, please.
1: I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew today as we navigate the latest aviation news and information here on Just Plane Radio. The show devoted to the aviation lifestyle. And learning to fly and equip your airplane uh, appropriately. Now, Dennis has a Mooney 201, and once again, he's looking to do more upgrades. We thought we had pretty much marked off everything off the list, but, well, then that list just continues to get longer and longer. Does it not, Dennis?
2: Well, it does, and you know, I thought that when we replaced all the radios with the uh, Avidine and putting the ADSB out through Stratus last year, that you know we had over half the panel replaced. But, current, but I guess there's really like ninety percent more to go.
1: <laughs> yes, while well, you're in there, that kind of thing, exactly. So, but what I found, you know, now
2: that we've uh, been really spoiled rotten with uh, with all of the new GPSs in there, uh, I'm kind of hamstrung by the uh, the old autopilot. You know, you have to, if you want to. Go anywhere you either have to set the heading bug or you're tracking your cdi so you know it doesn't have the ability to just grab a course and follow the line it, it kind of wanders around and you know it's it's outdated it's not integrated well so it doesn't uh, just go automatically shoot a gps approach for you or uh, anticipate turns for GPS steering. you have to manually change the heading every time the course changes, things like that. Mm-hmm. so you know I'm looking at you know what are the options and besides all of that's being driven by old vacuum driven auto or uh, gyros. so you know looking into the future, looking into reliability, I think the the vacuum system needs to go away at some point, so I want to start looking at what my options are for putting in a smarter, more modern autopilot uh, that can take advantage of all of that and so uh, I've been talking with uh, Simpson Bennett and also with uh, uh, Barry, our local sales guy from S-Tech uh, since they make the one of the autopilots is currently in the plane at, at what their upgrade options.
1: Well, there you uh, go, and Simpson uh, Simpson is with us right now. And uh, my first question is: Does the latest uh, version of your autopilot have that feature where you press the button and and the pilot inflates like an airplane?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's actually, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a paid option. You got to get some ah, some extra equipment in there. But right. yeah, and again, thanks thanks for having me on. So I yes, appreciate that. But yeah, you, you can get that inflatable uh, co-pilot real quick.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I'm not the first person who's brought that up to you. Am I right in assuming that, Simpson? Or is that just me being too twisted?
3: No, you know, we do get that every so often, and I think there are some presentations floating around that might make reference to uh, an inflatable co-pilot or something like that, at least internally.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, pilots are twisted that way. That's why I've connected (laughs) so well with the community. But let's talk about this uh, particular unit Dennis is, uh, is considering. First off, the model number is what for your Mooney 201, Dennis?
2: It's the uh, S-TEC thirty one hundred. It's their, I think it's the the most current uh, version, and would actually replace uh, part of the equipment that I already have in. So that that's kind of nice is that I won't have to install, you know, a new servo for the pitch system. It can actually use what's already in the plane.
1: Was that right, Simpson? What do you think?
3: Is yeah, you right. Yeah, that's one of the uh, the big advantages for our customers is uh, we've retained the same servo design. Um, so a, a lot of our customers who ex- had existing systems, we have. Somewhere in the realm of, I think, forty thousand systems out there, um, and we we determined that it doesn't make sense to kind of throw away all that proven technology and, and require them to use a new type of servo or something along those lines. We absolutely could have done that, uh, but we did a little bit of research. We pulled our, our service stations and found that failure rates among our servos were pretty low. So we could, we felt confident that we could drive them a little bit differently. And, you know, upgrade uh, those legacy autopilots to the newest, latest, greatest, which is that STEC 3100.
1: Got it. So the the feature list uh, entails what? Uh, things like you don't have to reset the, you know, the setting every time you update a GPS coordinate or something or what?
3: Yeah, I mean, the, the feature list is, is pretty long, especially when it compares to... Uh, other autopilots from years past. So we we previously had the 55x, which was a, a big mainstay for many many a years, and we've added a couple of new features to it, like our level mode. Uh, we have some um, new kind of functions in the background, such as our envelope protection. So if you get a little bit too slow, or if you know you're diving down for an altitude or something along that those lines, it will keep you safely within that envelope. It, it's not going to uh, let you get too far outside, and it will actually command the aircraft back into a, a safe state, if you will. Hmm. Um, and there's a number of other features out there, uh, some of which have been in some of our previous autopilots, but I think those two are the big mainstays as far as what differentiates between an, an older system um as far as features go. But of course, we're doing things a lot differently instead of, I think, um, what was mentioned earlier as far as rate-based stuff and... You know gyros and that sort of thing. It it becomes a digital autopilot. So we're we're basing it off of Adahar's data now, as opposed to transducers and those sort of things.
1: Got it. So Dennis, I mean, I don't know. Am I misunderstanding this? But that first feature he talked about sounds like a you know angle of attack indicator type of thing. Am I? Yeah, it's the
2: same envelope protection that you see. uh, You know, Garmin's got it built into the G one thousand and their autopilots too, where it'll prevent you from. Climbing too steep or turning too hard, it'll it'll push back so you don't wind up, uh, you know, over controlling the airplane. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's got the the level button that'll automatically bring the plane back to straight and level if you were in an unusual attitude.
1: Well, there you go. So, and- so as
2: far as uh, like instrument approach functionality, um, now this the STEC thirty one hundred is going to support both uh, uh, ground based nav aids and GPS. Is correct.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And we we do things a little bit differently. So it has that built in GPSS, which is nice. Um, And we also can do, for instance, a big, you'd mentioned instrument flying, a big uh, benefit to those instrument pilots out there is we do uh, intercepts. So for instance, you could be in a heading mode, or you could be um, flying along in a nav mode, and it would automatically go into an approach mode if you had an approach loaded. Or for instance, if you're flying on heading and wanted to go and intercept a, a course, a GPS course, uh, you can actually basically arm that, if you will, and it will go ahead and follow that that navigation course, whatever it may be, once that heading line kind of intercepts that.
2: Is that integrated directly to the uh, the Avidyne's then, so that if you do have an approach uh, loaded as part of your, your current flight plan, it just automatically talks to the Avidine and knows that, or do you have to program that separately into the, um, into the uh, autopilot head?
3: No, so the autopilot's actually kind of monitoring, if you will, uh, what's going on as far as navigation information that's coming in. So it knows that it's in GPS mode and it will see that it's a GPS approach and automatically make that switch. Um, normally what I do is I'll, I'll be in a nav mode, for instance, um, if it's either a direct or, or something along those lines. And when I get close or I get appro- uh, excuse me, approved or uh, clear for the approach, I'll go ahead and hit that approach button. And that's the last time you really uh, interact with the autopilot until you're disconnecting it at minimums or, or you know, once you've got the airport environment in sight.
2: Now, as far as the, the autopilot function itself, does uh, it have the ability to intercept an altitude? You know, say Greg and I are heading to the Bahamas. We cleared 9,000 feet. We can just dial 9,000 into the head and it'll automatically level us off and hold it there so that we don't have to you know, monitor us closely during the climb and or Conversely, for as we're coming into the approach, you know, they clear you to start the approach at 3000. Will it uh, intercept and hold those altitudes as well?
3: So, the first one um, is altitude preselect. And one of the big uh, things that I forgot to mention earlier is we have indicated airspeed hold now. So, f- before with like an instance, our 55X. Uh, We didn't have the ability to do an indicated airspeed hold. So, for instance, when you're climbing out and you're taking off away from the airport environment and you have an altitude that you've already selected in there. So we do have that capability in the control head to pre-select an altitude if we have a barrow corrected source uh, feeding it that information. So, for instance, like in your example, you're you're flying out from Florida over to the Bahamas and you've pre-selected 9,000 feet. So you can do an indicated airspeed climb at whatever your VY or whatever your cruise climb might be, or you could do a vertical speed climb of, you know, 500 feet a minute or whatever you're comfortable with, and it will automatically level off at that pre-selected altitude at 9,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And we typically start that about, I, I want to say it's about 500 feet or 400 feet before we get to that altitude, you'll see it says capture or cap and it will start to level off the airplane and decrease that rate of uh, climb until it hits that altitude and then it goes into an altitude hold mode.
1: Wow, I'm sold. Uh, Dennis?
2: <laughs> Are there any dependencies? I mean, is this pretty much a standalone system or would I be required to put in you know, something like an Aspen E5 or something to be able to feed information or will this run standalone and does not need to connect up to my existing gyros like the current uh, autopilot does?
3: That's one of our biggest Kind of features and selling points is that we can work with either a six pack configuration where you have, you know, a directional gyro or an HSI or something along those lines. We need a Barrow-corrected source. That can be an Aspen.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Simpson, I'm definitely sold uh, with his <laughs> credit card. And I uh, get one of these. Uh, you can get all the information about this particular autopilot at the website, which is?
3: Genesis-Aerosystems.com
1: Simpson Bennett, thank you so much. We appreciate you being on Just Plane Radio.
3: Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it.
1: And we got more coming up. Stay close. Just Plain
0: Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
4: Hey, hold on. Hold that door What? Hold the door oh, what? I'm so sorry That's why to to Los Angeles I'm, I'm so on sorry, I just missed it Look, I made the plane, I'm here You were so close, but what? unfortunately the door is locked and closed You're not letting me on the plane? I know it's frustrating, but once the door closes, that's it Federal regulations uh, Please, let, let me in here, it's so ridiculous There's the plane right there But really, it's as, as, as if the plane's not there what? Are you a magician? No, but the door oh, no, is I locked I see the plane, if you're doing a trick it's not a good trick. It's such a shame. shame. They will miss this plane. They will miss this plane. They will
0: miss this
1: plane. They will miss this train. this I try to believe you. I don't want to leave but I need to. This is just Blaine Radio, Greg your Co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew as we navigate the latest aviation news and information and then stuff about drones just because we like to. Just Drone Radio. You know, we got to catch up on the drone news. Uh, They're either obstacles, or fun things to play with, or things that may potentially be banned in the U.S. altogether. Who knows? Well, what what is this press release or notice that we got this week about the drones from the White House? Dennis.
2: Well, there's a couple of them coming out. Uh, the FAA has been under mandate from Congress to come out with a new set of re- of rules and requirements to for recreational users of drones. This mm-hmm. is not to be confused with you know the drone operators under Part 107. This yeah. is you, <laughs> you specifically, a guy that just wants to play with a drone in his backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, so. There's, you know, restrictions and stuff that are supposed to be in place on that. But the FAA is, you know, is formalizing uh, all of that. Um, they're basically saying you're not going to be allowed to fly a recre- a drone recreational within uh, controlled airspace. So that means in the vicinity of a controlled towered airport, uh, you know, if uh, you're in Class E airspace, which would be around an airport that has an instrument approach, you're going to have to know, you know, are you... Uh, you know, within the 700 foot veil or the ground or the, to, you know, is it class E to the ground where you are? And if it is, you're not going to be allowed to fly in those areas. And the only exceptions that they're going to make to that are for permanent fixed sites. So that would be, you know, like a local model airplane uh, field, right. know, where a, a club has actually got an actual uh, uh, runways and stuff set up. Those areas will be, you know, not necessarily grandfather, but will be permitted without receiving clearance. Otherwise you're not going to be able to recreational fly.
1: Well, I and, thought that was the rule already, that you were not allowed to fly but it was, around an it, airport.
2: But you could easily call the airport and get permission. Well, now they're saying no, that that's not going to be allowed anymore um, mm-hmm. under these new rules. And here's the new authorizations. Um, you know, they're also going to require that even recreational drone pilots are going to have to pass an aeronautical and a safety test. Uh, which of course they haven't developed yet Mm -hmm. so you know eventually you'll be required to understand at least you know a minimal amount of airspace uh, so that you know that you're flying in an area that you shouldn't uh so there's you know definitely some changes are coming
1: well no doubt and you know we've been talking about this for years and i you know i'm always concerned you know the day after Christmas. Uh, because, you know, everybody in the neighborhood, they they might have got a new drone and, you know, all these 10, 12, 13-year-old kids, you know, got a drone and uh, they have no idea what the heck they're doing. They just want to see this thing fly.
2: Yeah, let's put and, the camera on there and go up and see if we can get a picture of that airliner as it's coming in exactly. for landing. Exactly.
1: cool. Yeah, and, and so, you know, it'll be interesting. Are, are there any age restrictions on this stuff, too? Or do they have so, any... Put that out yet? Like, there's a minimum age. Not in the age?
2: press release. Uh, there isn't, uh, but I suspect that we'll see some common sense restrictions being put on that. I mean, one of the condition, third condition that they've they specified here is that the aircraft will be operated in accordance with uh, community-based organization guidelines. So that would be the, like the long-standing rules that the Academy of Model Aeronautics have had in place for people that have been flying radio-controlled airplanes since you know forever. So you know, keep it below 400 feet within line of sight, uh, you know, make sure that you're always operating in a safe manner, away from people, things like that. So uh, there, that part, I think, is going to be more enforced now than it has been previously.
1: Yeah. Well, once the uh, rules are officially adopted, whether they'll be enforced is one thing, but once people get caught, and then they start making examples out of this person or that person. That's when the enforcement will actually take place. It'll be like, hey, you don't want to be that guy. You know, they, they find them like some crazy amount of money or something. So you think you're going down that road? That's what I'm seeing here.
2: Yeah, I mean, right now they, they really, it's, they don't really have a way to enforce it. Right. And so Well, because like, the
1: rules aren't really standardized enough. So everybody knows, you know, there's there's like some gray areas here and there. But they're trying to finalize this and standardize these rules to uh, make it so if you get caught, they're not necessarily going to go and knock on people's doors. Hey, hey, you were viral. You were uh, 20 feet above the maximum limit. You're allowed. I don't think they're going to be doing that. There's not going to be like the drone police. But once no, the but people I, get I busted. Yeah they'll, yeah, they'll make examples out of them uh, with the idea of uh, trying to teach you know, more and more people like, hey, you better not do this. That kind of that's my my prediction. Well, and
2: I also see the technology may start playing a factor into that too. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked a number of times about you know some of these transponders and things that could be uh, available for the drone community. Well, it wouldn't be very hard, given the size and capability of these drones, to put a small little beacon on there that's broadcasting, you know, your unique drone ID. So when you do have this drone flying over some house fire and getting in the way of the fire truck, that they have a way to very quickly track down who it was. Um, and can reach out to you and educate you properly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when that would be that education would be in the form of a bill or a ticket, possibly
2: <laughs> a dope slap at a minimum. But you know, having the having the local police show up at your doorstep saying, "Hey, you know, you realize you're operating this drone and interfering with you know the aerial firefighters or with the fire truck that's trying to put out this house fire," mm-hmm. you know, it won't take too many of those types of incidents either before people start to get the get the message.
1: Yeah, well. You know, but I'm still a little concerned on the age thing, because like I said, you know, it's, it's like 10-year-old kids that are getting into this stuff, some of them, and they can fly these drones way better than an adult three times their age. <laughs> don't get me wrong. They can uh, technically do it probably quite well. But yeah, uh, then we've
2: been training them on video games since they were exactly. one, three,
1: but they don't necessarily realize, you know, the uh, conflict with other things up there flying around or like you said, you know, fire department trying to put out a, a fire and and needing uh, access to the airspace and this creating issues if there's a drone flying around trying well, to take some Well, and
2: I think a part of that comes things. back to the parents, too. You know, the parents bought the kid the drone, and they need to make sure that they understand that, hey, little uh, little Timmy, if you want to go fly it, I need to be with you. Right. And I think that maybe that might be at a minimum that there's not going to be an age restriction on actually flying it, but you do need to have a parent around.
1: Well, there's that, yes. Yes. But, but the other element is uh, Trump's even looking at, like, banning certain brands, right? Because they're made in China and there could be this whole trade uh, uh, war issue thing or something. Like, hey, well, we don't want them
2: anymore. Exactly. I mean, Trump has been making it very clear that uh, certain Chinese companies are a risk to the U.S. because of uh, their ties to the Chinese government. I mean, Hawaii, I believe is how you pronounce it. They make we'll cell phones and not? modems and things. You know, he's really put the put the clamp on them that they don't uh, aren't allowed to sell uh, cell phones or five G, you know, networking equipment. All right, so if but you're going to buy a like,
1: drone, you better buy one made don't in America. do buy a DJI, exactly. Yeah, at least that's uh, one of the potential issues in the short term. We'll see. More coming up on Just Plain Radio.
0: Just plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
1: I've been up around the stratosphere at 31,000 feet. I'm going to fly on out of here on wings that you can't see. If you're going to fly high that fear, you're going to have to learn to love the atmosphere. And you've got to learn to use those wings. You can't see. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. Captain Dennis, we are your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information. Ed and Keith uh, still out. Uh, well, Keith is uh, still in Alaska, actually, this week. He did a two-week uh, adventure that I'm sure we'll hear about pot- potentially next week, finally. And then Ed, uh, because he's holding down the fort at Flight Training Professionals, obviously uh, is not here because Keith is not at the office. And so he's doing like a double. So uh, they're going to be back with us, uh, fear not. But, uh, you know, that leaves Dennis and I to navigate accordingly. And, you know, I think we're we're holding down the fort. We're not having to deviate too much other than, you know, doing these little uh, drone stories uh, which is kind of you know something i'd like to kind of deviate towards every now and then i i will say you know uh if you're going to buy a drone uh, which i love them i do don't get me wrong they're they're fun as heck to play with uh but you might want to consider getting one that's made in the u.s but that's very difficult right now there's not many drone manufacturers you know dgi and you know uh, uh all,
2: unique and yeah. some of those other you know some of the big manufacturers almost all of them are chinese-based right which you could know, be you a and I were,
1: problem why you know right. made in america where are our made in america drones well
2: you know? where's our made in america consumer electronics in general <laughs>
1: well good point yeah uh, gopro had one for a while but that kind of <laughs> <laughs> it kind of <laughs> took off and uh, landed very quickly yeah, well, and
2: that was, I think, what actually was causing the problem for them. They had a a problem where their drones were falling out of the sky. But well, apparently, the Karma right. drones are back on the market, but they're yeah. just, you know, they they've got a lot of headwind against them against DJI, which just uh, honestly is defined the market for the consumer drone. Right.
1: And I and I, I don't know. Are they made in the USA or are they just uh, designed and then made over there? Who knows. But uh, Uh,
2: but sure that they're designed here, but made elsewhere, right? But that's That's what it really comes down to: is that it's a a U.S. owned company, at least with GoPro, where DJI is Chinese owned, and that's where Mm -hmm. their concern is. You know, you're you're sending information about where you're flying your drone and querying information, and all that could be going back to the Chinese government.
1: Gotta buy American, buy at your own risk if you're gonna buy uh, outside of the USA. All right, more coming up. Stay close. Just Plane
0: Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation
4: lifestyle. How soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean I'm just not sure. Or can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. They say...
1: Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. This is Just Plane Radio, Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis navigating the latest aviation news and information. You know, a lot more people are flying away. You know, business is booming. Uh, for the industry, I mean, we've been getting just positive reports from, you know, whether it's an AOPA fly-in or an aviation show, they're uh, doing uh, a good business. The manufacturers are, are reporting good numbers, and that is a good sign. The latest thing that we've seen is what uh, aircraft sales overall are up. Is that right, Dennis, or what?
2: Yeah, what uh, what they said is that they are up 14.5% in the first quarter. Wow. So, Yeah, I mean, that's big. I think it was uh, piston aircraft alone accounted for 248 deliveries in the last quarter. Sweet, yeah, exactly. That's that a means good sign. More used airplanes for me later.
1: Good point. Very good point. But uh, you know, who knows? You might end up buying a new one uh, before a years out. Well, no my My checkbook's not <laughs> quite that big. We'll have to talk to the boss about that. Yeah, but exactly. uh, but yeah, that's a good sign. You know, whenever you know business. It uh, goes in the right direction. It's really good for everybody. It really is because it means potentially more options if you're looking for something, you know, even in the used market like you were, uh talking about there uh, for the future. And, you know, I, I mean, it's good. It's great to hear that, uh, you know, more people are taken to the skies and uh, doing that. I, and I think that's good for, you know, it's good every way you look at it. And, and it's not just that. Aircraft sales, Are up. Uh, Cirrus is doing some expansion, and you know, obviously, they're one of the leaders in general aviation that have really kind of come to the forefront. But what have they done? They've just opened up, uh, or they're getting ready to open up a second uh, customer service location or something, or what?
2: Yeah, they've announced that they're going to be putting in a uh, customer service facility in Addison, Texas, so near Dallas. Uh, So this is this is a big change because you know Cirrus for the longest time was based out of Duluth, Minnesota, with uh, some factory. Um, You know, they did a lot of their composite work out in North Dakota. You wanted a Cirrus, you went to Duluth to go pick it up. And a number of years ago, they added a facility in Knoxville, Tennessee now that's more centrally located and doesn't have the cold weather and snow that Duluth is known for.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And so that that was a big expansion. And now all of a sudden they're putting in another facility in Texas so that they can have more factory service options and more customer delivery options closer to their customers. Well, and even
1: uh, warmer weather, too. yes (laughs) yeah because even in uh knoxville you know and get cold during the winter i mean look you got the bonus of dollywood (laughs) this is
2: true the smoky mountains are beautiful to fly over
1: yeah but uh but yeah it looks like they're they're you know building up a facility that'll be open year round in dallas that would be pretty uh pretty good on a lot of levels so that shows a
2: lot of confidence in the market that you know they're willing to invest in, in another facility like that that they're expecting that they have a need to be able to be in front of more of their customers and Know be able to offer factory service at more locations. That's great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all they have to do is give uh, Just Plane Radio a new Cirrus for us to fly, and we could put it in front of a lot of people.
2: Hey, Gary Black, are you listening? Yes. Hello. Yo, K- Gary. K- I'll, I'll see you in June over at your next fly-in here in St. Paul. Yeah,
1: we can only do this on the radio because he's blocked our phone numbers, and we we're supposed to stay how many yards away? I think the restraining order. I forget. I, I think it's one runway length. Maybe. Good point. All right. Well, hats off to them, though. That's good. Like I said, all this positive economic news for the aviation industry really is good for everyone. I don't see how anybody could look at that and go, oh, that's a bummer. I mean, this is good. It's exciting. Well, if you're a
2: helicopter owner, maybe it is because actually the helicopter deliveries are all down. But Are they really? Yeah. That's that's the one segment uh, in that uh, this quarter's report was that uh, turboprop piston and uh, all rotorcraft in general is down.
1: Why? Why would that be? Well, uh, what's the problem maybe, with Maybe
2: everybody's waiting for their flying drone cars and maybe, <laughs> deciding well, not to buy helicopters. I don't know.
1: Good point. Um, May not but, need you know, Yeah.
2: The helicopters are typically more expensive, especially on a per hour and maintenance base. There's less people flying them. So maybe that's uh, contributing to
1: it. Wow. Well, you know, we were talking about the Bachelorette uh, last week on the show, how they got a pilot uh, on the show. Uh, you know, like every episode has has helicopters in it because they're flying them to some exotic romantic date you know that kind of thing i i only watch it because my wife and daughter make me just so we're mm-hmm. clear once again okay. but you know that free publicity for helicopters on the bachelorette you would think they'd be booming
2: well you know i i will admit helicopters are cool i mean i, I love awesome. watching these youtube videos where the guys you know take off and go land at some restaurant and mm-hmm. go pick up dinner i mean that's pretty cool that you can go pretty much anywhere but
1: yeah but they're not quite as efficient as a no you know, general aviation aircraft. So you know it is what it is, and that just seems a little off. Like I don't, I don't understand why you know uh, you know helicopters uh, that segment would be down. I, I, I have a feeling there's more to this story. You know what I mean? But we'll see. We'll see how that, how that progresses, and then maybe it is influx of of drone technology because you know the drones are going to just pick us up and take us wherever we want like a helicopter
2: well every self you know every uh um, self-driving car and uh you know thing that you're looking at now all seems to be mm-hmm. geared around you know some sort of a vertical takeoff and mm-hmm. you know the whole flying car thing has become less and less of the the air you know the trans uh, transition from terrafugia where the wings fold out and you know maybe there is a lot less of a Impending yeah. need for for an a actual helicopter when you can just put eight rotors and some batteries on it, and here you go.
1: Right, and claws, and they just grab you by the shoulders, lift you up, take you wherever you got to go. I, I, it could happen. But uh, we will see. Technology is a fun thing to think about, uh, including when it comes to, well, I don't know, this other story uh, about satellite around the world. I'm surprised this had not happened already, actually, but Elon Musk— uh, launched one of those SpaceX, uh, you know, uh, rockets last week right out of here in in our backyard of Central Florida, and um, he took up the first set of satellites to basically set up a satellite internet network. Right.
2: Yep. It's called Starlink, and his long-term plan is to have somewhere around twelve thousand satellites all orbiting roughly two hundred miles off the ground, which will allow very high-speed internet to everywhere. Where, you know, right now everybody complains that you can't get cell service in, you know, rural areas. That won't be a problem. It'll all be, it'll be global coverage uh, via satellite. And I'm just looking at this from uh, from a GA's perspective. Remember how much uh, trouble we had trying to get uh, flight to connect to the internet out on the ramp in Bimini? Right. You know, there was no mobile internet for us out there. Mm-hmm. And here, this would solve that problem. And wh- who's going to be the first GA manufacturer to throw an antenna on the roof of an airplane and provide in-flight internet at you know low cost? Now, all of a sudden, what would ADS-B look like if we had high-speed two-way internet in the cockpit? You be know, today's awesome. ADS-B is strictly an uplink from the ground and it's relatively low bandwidth, so you get blocky graphics and things like that. But it's, it's a huge step up from what we had 10 years ago. So imagine 10 years from now, what for going to look like with the ability to get near real time uh, next rad weather and be able to actually send a text directly to your FBO with your information and your ETA and you know well, send instead a message of the uh, wife and yeah. video conferencing well not <laughs> you know, to,
1: yeah with, with the tower you you'd use uh, you'd Facetime them <laughs> tower it's me hey hi you know and, and you know that would be pretty wild that probably will happen eventually I mean that's a ways off but just setting up worldwide internet service or some kind of data service like that would be impressive because, yeah, when you get out to those, you know, down in the Caribbean where we want to fly, uh, you know, your plane, you know, you do get into these, you know, blank areas where you're out of the zone of radar and stuff a little bit. Not that, not, not that much, but you don't have cell service and, you you know, that kind of thing. That would be really nice to have blank coverage like we would have across the country in Sirius XM, for instance, for audio. Right?
2: Yeah, and with the shift to ADSB out for positioning information, all of a sudden you don't even have to have ground based uh, uh stations anymore to be able to set to transmit that back to the FAA, they could have literally a
1: global air traffic control. That would be pretty sweet. And then, you know, when you could FaceTime, you know, your your wife back home and say, Yep, I'm still up here, haven't crashed yet. That would be a bonus. And uh make sure you're staying out of trouble, Just keep an eye on you, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, hey! I see Greg's making may- selfies in the airplane again.
1: Exactly. He's like, you know, like, can we hey, let's Facetime uh, the kids and everyone, and oh, check this out! Look at the, you know, that would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? When but Captain you know,
2: Clay said it was annoying when you were making cell phone calls. Just imagine here's oh Greg my Facetiming gosh. everybody while we're cruising over the Caribbean. Yeah,
1: posting on Instagram, you know, doing Facebook Live, you know, it would be. There definitely would be a side, a dark side. As there always is sometimes to uh, technology. But this, you know, and this kind of stuff, it didn't like the, the technology is taking over the world.
2: It'll just improve it.
1: More coming up. Stay cool. Just Plane Radio,
0: the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Be an explorer.
4: For nearly 75 years, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association has been a beacon for those who cherish the freedom to fly. AOPA protects your rights as a pilot by fighting airspace restrictions, fuel taxes, user fees, airport closings, and other issues that threaten your ability to take to the sky. AOPA is on the front lines every day to ensure that general aviation and the interests of its members are promoted and safeguarded. Learn more about how you can become a member at AOPA.org.
1: Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And Flight Training Professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407 896 Zero seven seven. That's four oh seven eight nine six zero zero seventy seven. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. dot
0: Take off with Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
4: Can I let you in a little secret? A secret? Just you and me? <laughs> Sorry, that had to come out. Go on. I'm not going golfing. I'm taking my first flying lessons today. I always dreamed of being a pilot. Oh Jay, that's fantastic. And I I totally get it. I had a crush on the pilot who flew the crop duster back home. He had big, broad shoulders and a deep, husky voice that, in retrospect, could have been pesticide-related.
0: You me a sky that's trouble-free and clear so it's safe for me to fly?
1: This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis. Okay, so, um, you know, there are a lot of reasons for airports to have to shut down for a while. Some of them more obvious than others. So what was it? Fort Lauderdale shut down an airport because they're doing some renovations or runway, yeah. one of the run- runways that actually we flew into.
2: Is that right? No, it's actually Fort Lauderdale International. The, oh, okay. Uh, the, the,
1: International. So, okay.
2: But that is used by a lot of GA pilots as they go to and from the Caribbean because it is a port of entry. So right. you know, it's more of a public service announcement to yeah. uh, check your notice, people. But uh they are closing down, I believe it was Runway 1-2, for the next four months to uh, rebuild the runway. So mm. that'll, be a, that'll be nice when it's done, but uh, yeah. kind of inconvenient in the meantime. So you'll have to take uh, meandering routes around the airport to get to the runway because you won't even be able to cross the runway. It'll be all torn up. Hmm. But they do
1: have a couple more.
2: I would imagine. Oh yeah, there, there's a couple. But it's just you know something to to make note of. That's the reason they have the NOTAMs out, even if All the right. system is garbage. Right.
1: Sure. So you there's still need that. to check them. You know, renovations but, happen. Uh, uh, but in Tampa, they had to shut down a runway for a different reason. Which yeah, was? this
2: one I'm not sure. Do they have a notem for that at MacDill Air Force Base? Uh, they had an alligator actually blocking a runway Speed bump. That-
1: well <laughs> nope nope that wasn't a speed bump
2: wow that's a speed bump that looks like a pair of boots right yeah wait, wait, was that a notum though could have no. that have been well it could have i mean while they were out there trying to remove it hopefully somebody would have notum the runway out of service <laughs> you would so. hope so because uh, they, they had to get, what, a front-end loader out there, I think, to actually get the thing off the runway because it just wouldn't move.
1: Is that what – really? They couldn't, <laughs> like, set a like a, you know, a goat? Out no, there? they like,
2: didn't have, you know, hey, Steve Irwin hey, to come leader, out there it, with a yeah. right. stick and some electrical tape to go and, you know, jump on top of him and tape his mouth shut. No, he didn't want to move. They took a stick and prodded, and I guess they finally just – Came up with a front end loader and pushed him into the bucket and drove them off. And
1: wait, now I've been to Gatorland. Him. All they do is take a frozen chicken, tie it on a stick, and like fish them out of there.
2: <laughs> you know, this uh, one wanted to warm up for some reason. Okay, he, was just, he was wasn't sunning. moving off the blacktop.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I would think that would have to be a notum or some kind of notification, yeah. wouldn't it? Because would they hope. do that for like birds and things. You know,
2: right? You caution: Gators in the vicinity. Yes, can. gators on the runway. What? Must have been spring break for the alligators. He was down suntanning and well wasn't wasn't going to give up his good spot, right? Well, it
1: is a good time to be in Florida right now. This is, you know, this is the pretty much the best time of year right before it gets uh, undeathly hot in about 2 weeks. You got about 2 weeks left of great weather in Florida. Uh the gators know that, even the you know, the local residents. But after that, forget about it. Yeah, you're going to want to stay away. It's going to be too damn hot. Again, I want to go visit uh, Captain, Captain Dennis, Dennis up here in Minnesota, where you can yeah. breathe again. Because yeah, the the heat's coming in big time here in a but couple. Then we weeks.
2: get the mosquitoes, so bring your saddles. You do you get the skeeters
1: them. Even the, yeah, I guess you do. Oh yeah, you get we the get, worst of everything up there. Why the hell are you all living four up seasons.
2: there? Yeah, I'm not sure either. <laughs> you know, after being down at Sun and Fun uh, with the whole family, my wife and I uh, were very seriously considering looking at properties around there you know right well our, our skeeters
1: are bigger though i mean so uh, you know sometimes you wonder you know as big as they get down here in florida you know you, you're not worried about bird strikes like oh my god that was a mosquito oh wow could have broke the uh, windshield with that thing our problem up here is the saddles
2: that are on them cause more damage you know those the things saddles. Are big enough you can ride them oh
1: really yeah your yeah. mosquitoes no, have we- sa- saddles do they
2: Really? Yes, they do. I did
1: not know this. Well, right. anyway.
2: We breed them big up here in Minnesota.
1: The moral of this story is glad I'm not you. And yeah. uh, I'll just stay put where I am here in Orlando uh, today. No, we at least. we
2: get the bitter cold in the winter. We get the hot, humid in the summer. So, you know, we don't get to avoid everything. but
1: You get the worst of everything up there. <laughs> it's awesome. We love it. Chamber of Commerce. Uh, <laughs> not endorsing this message. No. I don't think so. All right. But you got your Mooney 201. Are you going to fly it back down here this summer? I mean, what's the latest? with your? I'd like to. Uh, Yeah, I'd like to.
2: Uh, After we got back from Sun and Fun, uh, one of the first things I did was actually take it directly to the mechanic and get it in for annual. Even though it wasn't due for a couple more months, I had wanted to get the annual done over the winter when we typically aren't flying as much. And so this was the soonest I could get it in. And Yeah, it was not a moment too soon. We had a spark plug that was acting up on the flight home that they were able to, uh, you know, clean all the spark plugs, and now it's running nice and smooth again. And, of course, uh, about an hour out of uh, Minneapolis, uh, my turn coordinator failed on me, which wasn't a big deal. It was perfectly clear. But, you know, all of a sudden, now I'm looking for, you know, a new instrument for the dash. And uh, I'm just fortunate that here in Minnesota, we have a great company called Wentworth Aircraft. They are actually the airplane junkyard and they're mm-hmm. located, you know, on the north side of Minneapolis. And I was able to go up there and find a used turn coordinator for about uh ten percent of what a new one would have cost. So that nice. was nice. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but you had and to have your course,
1: mechanic do that or is that something you can do? That's that not,
2: was something I did with my mechanic. He supervised. It. I went out and got the part and did the installation and he just double checked that I put the plug on correctly and mm-hmm. put the four screws in. Not exactly rocket science.
1: But you also got your custom sticker.
2: Yep. Uh, U.S. Customs uh, finally shipped the sticker. We had to apply for that sticker to go to the Bahamas, mm-hmm. um, but it took them about six weeks to actually ship it out. So we are now official. We've got our little uh, little sticker now m- mounted in the cabin door. So the next time we do fly uh, out of the country, whether that be Canada or the Caribbean again, uh, we don't have to go and find the email receipt now. I can just show them the sticker in the door and right. we're good to
1: go. But you still got to get the 12-inch... Uh uh, numbers still, painted on yeah. The
2: if, airplane, if we're going to go to the Caribbean, yes, we are. Uh, exactly. We still have to do no if
1: there is only no. when, <laughs> right? No,
2: exactly. And I've got a connection. Uh, I've got a, f- a friend of ours, Dan Bass, has, a, a ours, Dan Bass, has a, access to a vinyl cutter, so he's promised okay. to make me some numbers.
1: Make it look a little classier than a bunch of duct tape. And on that note, we'll wrap it up. Till next time, remember there is no better high than learning to fly.